Welcome once again to Exploring the Scriptures presentation of the study of the Book of Mormon with Dr. Ron Bartholomew. Here's Dr. Bartholomew. Hi everybody. It's December. Christmas time. Merry Christmas. This is Ron Bartholomew. I'm going to try really hard to speak clearly today so you can really understand me well. Um, we're going to do Emma 17 today, a scriptural pattern for the young men who are in this in this story. Um, I'd also like to mention two things before we start. First of all, um, our Christmas, our program is going to continue through this, through the, through the holidays, so keep looking for it. Uh, we'll go on to, we'll just keep going into that one next. Um, and my speech just keeps getting better, so even though it's harder to understand, it gets, it'll be better next week, etc. The second thing is, I want you to Pay close attention to the email I sent to all of you about the three tours we're taking next year. One to England, one to the Sacred Grove, and one to the Holy Land. If you'd be interested in coming with us, my speech will be fine by then. Um, you, you want to contact Danny Edmonds at Morris Murdoch Travel. And uh, we'd also like to invite everyone to listen to the songs on the radio channel golden gems dot um, net so you can continue to listen to good music from the from the past Christmas music now through the end of the year. they're playing Christmas music now through the end of the year so it'll be really good uh, to listen to to them um, with that I think there's any other announcements I'm just so happy to have you here as part of our program here let's go ahead and start Number 17 is how to make the most of what God has stored for you in life. This is a story about some man who were a young man. They were none of them were married. And they go to their enemies on missions. This would be something like going on a mission to a bunch of people that would skin you and eat you alive. They ran around naked. They only wore a loincloth. They, they, they drank blood for, uh, raw. They ate meat raw. They were a wild and ferocious people, and these people choose to serve a mission to them. So we're going to see what they did to be successful. If you can be successful with the kind of people they were successful with, you can be successful with anybody. So this is a great lesson on how to do mirror missionary work, but it's also a great lesson on how to interact with those who are maybe not of our um, faith, but maybe might maybe could be there's not enough members of the church right now there's eight billion people on the earth there's only 60 million members that's a drop in the bucket so you've got to figure out a way to show the gospel better and these men really give us a good idea how to do that how to do that so let's pay attention to what they're saying what is the verses of time verses two and three now these sons of mosiah were with alma at the time the angel first appeared unto him Therefore Alma did rejoice exceedingly to see his brethren, and what added more to his joy, they were still his brethren in the Lord, yea, and they had waxed strong in the knowledge of the truth, for they were men of a sound understanding, and they had searched the scriptures diligently, that they might know the word of God. But this is not all, they had given themselves to much prayer and fasting, therefore they had the spirit of prophecy and the spirit of revelation, 
And when they taught, they taught with power and authority of God. So you cannot say that verse 2 didn't lead to verse 3. In verse 2, they had a sound understanding of the scriptures that they might know the word of God. They had really paid the price. And so, as a result of their much prayer and fasting in verse 3, they had a sort of prophecy in this revelation. When they tell you about the power and authority of God, we need these kind of people in the church. We need people that will teach with power and authority. And the only way to get that is to say the scriptures diligently. You get this by scriptures, fasting, and prayer. That's the only way to get it. There's no other way. It doesn't matter what your last name is or who you belong to or anything like that. We need people in the church that can teach like this. Verse 4. And they had been teaching the word of God for the space of 14 years among the Lamanites, having had much success in bringing many to the knowledge of the truth. Yea, by the power of their words, many were brought before the altar of God to call on his name and confess their sins before him. I think we need to pay attention to three things in this verse particularly. First of all, they taught for 14 years. We go on missions for two years. That's all. So what do they learn? What do we learn from this? We learn that when we come home from our mission, we need to keep teaching the Spirit. Of, we need to keep teaching the Scriptures. We need to keep teaching with the Spirit of God. They taught for 14 years. That's a long time. Second, they had much success with the Lamanites. Well, when we read about the Lamanites, you're going to be surprised that they had success among them because how could you have success among these people? Well, this is how they did it. They had, they taught them, they had the power of their words which were to the altar of God to call upon his name and confess their sins before him. They talk about such power that the Lamanites could feel it. Even the Lamanites were, were as a spiritual as you could get, the Lamanites could feel their power. And so, it's a process. Don't do perfection in a day. They did it for the space of 14 years. It took a while to get to that point, but they finally did get to that point. And they were powerful missionaries. Brought many to the truth that wouldn't otherwise, these people are as far away from the truth as they possibly could get. Verse 5. Now these are the circumstances which attended them in their journeyings, for they had many afflictions. They did suffer much, both in body and in mind, such as hunger, thirst, and fatigue, and also much labor in the spirit. So we see that their sufferings weren't just physical. They also labored much in the spirit, it says. They, they were they much labor in the spirit. They really tried hard to gain God's power. This is the way to do it. Sacrifice bring forth the blessings of heaven. It's not about you, it's about the kingdom, building the kingdom. And so often we think about how it's going to affect us, but they didn't think about that. They thought how it was going to affect the Lamanites, and that's why they were successful. Verse 6. Now these were their journeyings, having taken leave of their father Mosiah in the first year of the judges, having refused the kingdom which their father was desirous to confer upon them. And also this was the minds of the people. Boy, how did they do this? First, they leave their parents, but listen, their dad tried to confer the kingdom upon them, and the people wanted the same thing. They gave away the kingdom, the kingdom, a chance to be kings, a chance to live in royalty to God. Among the Lamanites, their vile, their worst enemies. These people really paid the price. I'm so impressed with them. Verse 7. Nevertheless, they departed out of the land of Zarahemla and took their swords and their spears and their bows and their arrows and their slings. And this they did that they might provide food for themselves 
while in the wilderness. So they went from living in the palace where food was provided for them to finding for their own food needed themselves. You've got to have the tools required to provide yourselves in the wilderness and light and life's mission field, my friends. Uh, I'm surrounded by young people. When I say young people, I'm talking about people in their 20s and 30s who don't have the tools to provide for themselves in their life, in their life's mission. You've got to be able to provide for yourself. That's just part of the plan. That's part of the, the salvation of God. He takes people that go and provide for themselves and, then, and adds to them more responsibility that they can help others. Verse 8. And thus they departed into the wilderness with their numbers, which they had selected to go up to the land of Nephi, to preach the word of God unto the Lamanites. Now it wasn't just the forces of Mosiah, it was the forces of Mosiah with the numbers that they had selected, the people that they had chosen to take with them. We have to be wise and careful in the session of our companions, my friends. Look at verse 18. In verse 18 it says, Now I am being the chief among them, or rather the administrator unto them. He departed from them. After having blessed them and according to their civil stations, having part of the word of God unto them, or administered unto them before his departure, thus they took their civil journeys throughout the land. This was a select group of people that were carefully selected because of their spirituality and, and their ability to for themselves. We've got to become the kind of people the Lord can count on, the Lord can trust you. The Lord said about these people, you can take them, they'll be good, they'll hang in there, they'll stick with it, they'll do the work. That's why they chose those people, because they knew that they people could tend on what they were asking them to do. Verse 9. And it came to pass that they journeyed many days in the wilderness, and they fasted much and prayed much, that the Lord would grant unto them a portion of his spirit to go with him. They didn't fast and pray on Sunday. They fasted and prayed much throughout their journey, traveling in the wilderness, no less. Why? Because they wanted the Lord to bless them with the Spirit, to, to give them a portion of His Spirit to help them with their work. Continue, please. A portion of His Spirit to go with them and abide with them, that they might be an instrument in the hands of God to bring, if it were possible, their brethren the Lamanites to the knowledge of the truth to the knowledge of the baseness of the traditions of their fathers, which were not correct. Now, I'm not at all surprised at this story in the Book of Mormon because it's almost unreal. I can't think of anybody today that's the same thing. They go to these wild, ferocious people and try to convince them that they're wrong and bring them to the truth. This is amazing. They fasted and prayed to be instruments in the Lord's hands. There's a lot of verses that you can look at. We look at Mosiah's talking about his kids or Alma, etc., We'll look at any of them. We'll look at Proverbs 13.24. That's the only one we'll look at. Proverbs 13.24. It says, This is Proverbs 13.24. Think how this might apply to these boys. He has spread his rod, or hit his son. He that loved him be chased in times. These boys had to be chased and they had to be corrected. These were vile sinners, but they're corrected by the Lord and, and they have become the greatest missionaries in the history of the world, really. Verse 10. And it came to pass that the Lord did visit them with his spirit and said unto them, Be comforted. And they were comforted. What a blessing. Verse 11. And the Lord said unto them also, Go forth among the Lamanites, thy brethren, and establish my word. Yet ye shall be patient in longsuffering and afflictions, that ye may show forth good examples unto them and me. And I will make an instrument of thee in my hands, under the salvation of many souls. 
I think it's really easy for us to forget that they were there for 14 years because it all happens in just a few pages in the book one. It took them 14 years to do what they do here. Lord says, be patient and long-suffering. Show us good examples in the, of them and to them and me. They do so far as good examples, but it takes 14 years to do so. This is quite a mission that they perform for the Lord. Verse 12. And it came to pass that the hearts of the sons of Mosiah, and also those who were with them, took courage to go forth unto the Lamanites to declare unto them the word of God. Because of their spiritual exertions, they, 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 they take courage. They especially especially on difficult subjects. My friends, often we talk about the easy stuff. We don't talk about the hard stuff, but the hard stuff is what really makes a difference in the end. And, and they're going to talk about the Lamanites about really hard stuff. Verse 13. And it came to pass when they had arrived in the borders of the land of the Lamanites, that they separated themselves and departed one from another, trusting in the Lord that they should meet again at the close of their harvest. For they supposed that great was the work which they had undertaken. Amazing. They trust in the Lord that the work is great, but they also depart from each other and go out on their own. I don't, I can't find an example of this in modern history. This is amazing. This is an amazing mission. Verse 14 says, verse 18, I'm sorry, we already read this. Now Ammon, being the chief among them, or rather he did administer unto them, and he departed from them after having blessed them, according to their several stations, having imparted the word of God unto them, or administered unto them before his departure. And thus they took their several journeys throughout the land. You can see the arrows that I have on the, on the screen, hopefully, they hopefully support what I'm trying to teach. They went different directions. They all levied to each other, and but they got blessed by Ammon first. Verse 23, we're going to skip ahead to verse 23 now. Now Ammon goes among the people of the, of the, the Lamoni, ha, and this is what he says. And Ammon said unto him, Yea, I desire to dwell among this people for a time, yea, and perhaps until the day I die. Wow. Now we don't do this. We only go for two years, but the, but the thought's the same. Ammon desires to be integrated into the country, the culture, and the language he serves until the day he die, not some other life. This is because work is glory. God's work is glory. is to be passing the down the of men. And that is what Ammon plans to do until the day he dies. He has no idea when and how long it's not going to last. Verse 24. And it came to pass that, the king, that King Lamoni was much pleased with Ammon, and caused that his man should be loosed. And he would that Ammon should take one of his daughters to wife. What a temptation. This is Ammon's second chance to become a member of royalty. First one, then he invites now and then the Lamanites. But instead, he doesn't do it. He says, no, I'll be the servant. Earn others' trust by being what you're supposed to be and doing what you're supposed to be doing. Let's take a look at Ephesians 5.25. It says the following. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ of the church, and he gave so forth. We're to love our, our fellow people that we're with, living like Christ loved them. For Ammon, that was with the Lamanites. For us, it's our spouses, our families. We're to love them the way that Ammon did, the way the Lord did. This is a chance for me to talk about our trips this summer. We're going to three places. One, we're going to Europe, to England. 
We're going to the Western East United States to New York. We're going to the Holy Land. And uh, we plan on having a great time. So we hope that you'll come and enjoy that experience with us if you if you can. And you probably can't. But if you can, we should love you too. Verse 29. Now they wept because of the fear of being slain. Now when Ammon saw this, his heart was swollen within him with joy. For said he, I will show forth my power unto these my fellow servants, or the power which is in me, in restoring these flocks unto the king, that I may win the hearts of these my fellow servants, that I may lead them to believe in my words. The only thing Ammon wants to do is win their hearts. He doesn't do an immediate silence or respect. He just wants to win their hearts first. That's what he's trying to do. What a selfless servant. In verse 31 and 32, he says the following, 31 and 32. And it came to pass that he flattered them by his word, saying, My brethren, be of good cheer, and let us go in search of the flocks, and we will gather them together and bring them back unto the place of the water. And thus we will preserve the flocks unto the king, and he will not slay us. And it came to pass that they went in search of the flocks, and they did follow Ammon, and they rushed forth with much swiftness, and did head the flocks of the king, and did gather them together again to the place of water. This part of the story is amazing too, that Ammon would have the courage to do this. He's working against a, quite a crew here, and he decides to, to get the king's stuff. He, so let me just tell you what I think I want to teach here. How we help people find their own solutions? Let us, we will gather, they went in search of, etc. He helps them find their own solutions to become part of the part of the solution to the problem, not part of the problem. And then, of course, he has his miraculous experience in verse 13 34. Go ahead. And those men again stood to scatter their flocks. But Ammon said unto his brethren, Encircle the flocks round about, that they flee not. And I go and contend with these men who do scatter our flocks. Think about the courage of Ammon single-handedly going against this whole group who got swords and spears and rocks to throw at him, but he's going to defend the king's flocks because he knows that he'll be protected. This is the kind of courage we need to have, my friends. Verse 34. Therefore they did as Ammon commanded them, and he went forth and stood to contend with those who stood by the waters of Sebas. And they were in number, not a few. I go and contend with these men. He defends us for the influences and trends. In number, not a few. We were outnumbered, so we need to keep the flock safe from the fold. We need to stand around the flock. I've been watching church statistics lately, and it's becoming increasingly difficult for people to stay active in the church. It's be, but we, we've got to be the ones to help them. The people with the faith and testimony, we have to be the ones to help those who are losing their faith because of the... Well, look, look at 2020. 2020 is terrible. But it's just the way it's, it's going to get worse. 2021 will be worse. Verse 39. And when he had driven them afar off, he returned. And they watered their flocks and returned them to the pasture of the king. And then went in unto the king, bearing the arms which had been smitten off by the sword of Ammon, of those who sought to slay him. And they were carried in unto the king for a testimony of the things which they had done. Wow. Can you imagine that? They continued one of the flocks to the return to the pasture of the king. They, the flocks were safe because Ammon fought the, the bad guys off by himself, single-handedly. So let's look at chapter 18 as a pattern for sharing the gospel. 
verse, verse 10 to 11. So he spent chapter 17 defending the flocks. Now that he's got the king's attention, he's going to go teaching the gospel. Verse 10 and 11. Now when King Lamoni heard that Ammon was preparing his horses and his chariots, he was more astonished because of the faithfulness of Ammon, saying, Surely there has not been any servant among all my servants that has been so faithful as this man, for even he doth remember all my commandments to execute them. Not only did he execute them, he did it against, he did it working against the, the mob who had attacked him, and he beat them off too. This guy's amazing. Now I surely know that this is the great spirit, and I would desire him that he come in unto me, but I durst not. Ammon has no desire to become the great spirit. He is wants to earn the trust of those who he's serving, and that's what we have to do too, no matter what it takes. We have to earn that trust, no matter what it takes. Here we go, verse 16. And it came to pass that Ammon, being filled with the Spirit of God, therefore he perceived the thoughts of the king. And he said unto him, Is it because thou hast heard that I defended thy servants and thy flocks, and slew seven of their brethren with a sling and with the sword, and smote off the arms of others in order to defend <laughs> thy flocks and thy servants? Behold, is it this that causeth thy marvelings? Of course it is. But Ammon did it because he was seeing the inspiration of the Lord. First Corinthians says the following. And now Ammon, being wise, yet harmless, he said unto Lamona. Wait, how can we say Ammon was harmless? Of course he was not harmless. But he's harmless in terms of he's not going to go against the will of the Lord. That's what it means. Keep going. Wilt thou hearken unto my words, if I tell thee by what power I do these things? And this is the thing that I desire thee. And the king answered him and said, Yea, I will believe all thy words. And thus he was caught with guile. Ammon has no desire to, to trick the king. He's just trying to get the king to listen to him. So he's preparing for teaching for these wonderful teaching moments that are coming. Now, if you think about all that Ammon has done, prepare for this teaching moment. He's done a lot. 24 to 39 says the following. And Ammon began to speak unto him with boldness and said unto him, Believest thou that there is a God? And he answered and said unto him, I do not know what that meaneth. And then Ammon said, Believest thou that there is a great spirit? And he said, Yea. And Ammon said, This is God. And Ammon said unto him again, Believest thou that this great spirit who is God created all things which are in heaven and in the earth? And he said, Yea, I believe that he created all things which are in the earth, but I do not know the heavens. And Ammon said unto him, the heavens is a place where God dwells, and all his holy angels. And King Lamoni said, Is it above the earth? And Ammon said, Yea. And he looketh down upon all the children of men, and he knows all the thoughts and intents of the heart. For by his hand were they all created from the beginning. So he's already taught these people more than the people that I taught my mission knew. I served in Korea, where people didn't even believe in God, they believed in Buddha or the Great Spirit. And so he's, these people already are ahead of where the people that I taught on my mission. But their hearts were open and they're they ready to learn. And King Lamona is ready to learn. He's listening to everything I was saying. He's, he's very interested in me because Ammon has just defended his flocks in a way that's never happened before. So 
you got to pay close attention to what's happening here. First, in chapter 17, he just he does all he does just to get the king's attention. In chapter 18, once he's got the king's attention, and then he teaches him. We often go about it backwards. We try to teach him first, and then we forget about getting their attention second. We've got to do a better job of going out where we serve and serving people and loving them and caring about them in such a way that we get their attention first. Then we can teach them the gospel. Can you continue, please? Continue, please. Ammon said unto him, I am a man, and man in the beginning was created after the image of God. And I am called by his Holy Spirit to teach these things unto his, this people, that they may be brought to a knowledge of that which is just and true. And a portion of that Spirit dwelleth in me, which giveth me knowledge and also power according to my faith and desires which are in God. Wow. Look what Ammon just taught him. He taught him about the Holy Ghost and how he has this, the power of God with him. This is what the king wanted to know. Keep going, please. Now when Ammon had said these words, he began at the creation of the world and also the creation of Adam and told him all the things concerning the fall of man and rehearsed and laid before him the records and the holy scriptures of the people which had been spoken by the prophets even down to the time that their father Lehi left Jerusalem. Now you guys have the question, how did he know that? We had to say too, this Ammon isn't just out slinging stones and trying to beat people with whips. He's, he's also saying the scriptures too. He, he knows the word of God. Keep going, please. And he also rehearsed unto them, for it was unto the king and to his servants, all the journeys of their journeys of their fathers in the wilderness and all their sufferings with hunger and thirst and their travail and so forth. And he also rehearsed unto them concerning the rebellions of Laman and Lemuel. Aha! It's not until he's taught them all this that he finally tells them, your people rebelled against the Lord. And so these people are hearing this for the first time, but they're believing it because he's teaching in such a way that when he finally gets to that part, they're believing what he's saying. Keep going, please. And the sons of Ishmael, yea, all the rebellions did he relate unto them. And he expounded unto them all the records and scriptures from the time that Lehi left Jerusalem down to the present time. But this, this is not all. He taught them more. Keep going. Yes, but this is not all. For he expounded unto them the plan of redemption, which was prepared from the foundation of the world. And he also made known unto him concerning the coming of Christ. And all the works of the Lord did he make known unto them. He serves with the basics of plan of salvation. He goes through the whole thing. It's wonderful teaching. It's a great example for all of us to follow. Verse 36. In verse 36, he taught. He laid the decision for them. Verse 37, 38, he brought them up to the current church history and doctrine times. So he teaches them the whole the plan of salvation. Their histories of people. And it ends with Jesus Christ. He ends with bringing his testimony of Christ and that he's the Savior of the world. That's what it's all about, my friends. It's a matter of the heart. So here we see the reason why I have such a hard time teaching this is because it's so important. So without this man, hard to say. First of all, let's talk about Ammon as a missionary. Ammon sets an example as a missionary that I do not see followed very much nowadays. He follows, He first he teaches the people Let's let's just follow what Ammon does first. He first he he serves them. He doesn't teach them anything. He stands and works them. And then when he, there's a crisis comes, he saves them from the crisis. And then he goes and finishes all the commands the king asked him to do. All this before he said one word 
And so when he finally goes in to teach the king, the king wants to know what he has to say because he does such a good job teaching him about the the gospel first. So that's what we can learn from Alma. And Alma, Alma, I'm sorry, Alma is, is how to do this. Now the Lamanites of themselves were sufficiently hardened, but the Amalekites and the Amulonites were still harder. Therefore they did cause the Lamanites that they should harden their hearts, that they should wax strong in, wick in wickedness and their abominations. And it came to pass that Aram came that Aaron came to the city of Jerusalem and first began to preach to the Amalekites. And he began to preach to them in their synagogues, for they had built synagogues after the order of the Nahors. For many of the Amalekites and the Amulonites were after the order of the Nahors. Now these people were not like King Lamona. King Lamona's people were, were kind of dumb. They just didn't know anything. And they said the truth and they were taught. These people have been taught the truth now they've gone against it, and they're going to be a hard-hearted people to teach. Verse 7 and 8 says the following. Now Aaron said unto him, Believest thou that the Son of God shall come to redeem mankind from their sins? And the man said unto him, We do not believe that thou knowest any such thing. Now the thing about it is, is when Ammon taught the Lamonite people, they just believed. They just, they just soaked it all in. They just... But when uh, when Amy, when um, Aaron and those his brethren teach these people, they don't believe what they say. Though, so it's a different kind of people. Lesson: When you serve missions, some of you'll go to people like Lamona. You'll just go to people who just believe, believe everything you have to say. Others of you will go to people who will be hard-hearted. They will not believe anything you have to say. We have to teach both people. This is why. Keep going. We do not believe that thou knowest of things to come. Neither do we believe that thy fathers, and also that our fathers did know, concerning the things which they spake, of that which is to come. So they don't believe, any, they don't believe anything. They don't believe anything except for that <laughs> these mysteries that are coming to them are the, the working for the wrong person. Verse 10. And it came to pass that he began to expound these things unto them. They were angry with him and began to mock him. And they would not hear the words which he spake. So we see that Aaron has gone to an entirely different group of people that never went to. You're going to say, sir, some of you are going to serve in South America or some place in Africa where people are just going to judge you like crazy. Others of you are going to serve in Europe where you're going to go for two years and not see one baptism. We have to teach both the groups of people. Verse 24, chapter 24, verse 1 and 2. And it came to pass that the Amalekites and the Amulonites and the Lamanites who were in the land of Amulon and also in the land of Helam, and who were in the land of Jerusalem, and in Fine, and all the land round about, who had not been converted, and had not taken upon them the name of Anti-Nephi-Lehi, were stirred up by the Amalekites and by the Amulonites to anger against their brethren. And their hatred became exceedingly sore against them, even insomuch that they began to rebel against their king insomuch that they would not that he should be their king. Therefore they took up arms against the people of Anti-Nephi-Lehi. Wow. So you have King Lamoni's people who all believe the gospel, and, and when they're listed here, they just they just soak out in their Lamanites. These people that were Amalekites and, and, and former Nephites that have turned against the truth, and they just want to kill the missionaries, they just want to destroy them. Verse 20 to 30 says the following. 
Now the greatest number of those of the Lamanites who slew so many of their brethren were Amalekites and Amulonites, the greatest number of whom were after the order of the Nahors. If you know, if you've been following and paying attention, you know that these people had the gospel, rejected it, and have joined another church, and so they don't believe it anymore. Verse 29. Now among those who joined the people of the Lord, there were none who were Amalekites or Amulonites, or who were of the order of Nahor, but they were actual descendants of Laman and Lemuel. That's the key. The people who hadn't been exposed to the gospel joined the church because it's new to them, and they're here for the first time, and they're excited about it. People who don't join the church, the people who are members of the church and then fell away and joined another faith, and they don't ever come back. Verse 30. And thus we can plainly discern that after a people have been once enlightened by the Spirit of God. Meaning after they had the church, after they knew the church was true, and they did, had the Spirit bear testimony that the gospel that they were part of was true, continue. And have had great knowledge of things pertaining to righteousness, and then have fallen away into sin and transgression. Now, my friends, this is the group I'm worried about. I'm not worried about the Lamanites. They didn't hear it. They know the gospel. They hear it for the first time and believed it. I'm worried about our, our, our friends, our children, our, our family members who hear the gospel, feel the truth of it, feel it, and then they fall away. And this is what happens to them. Please keep continue. They become more hardened, and thus their state becomes worse than though they had never known these things. That's really hard, my friends, really hard. I'm at 25 verses 4 to 5 and then 7 to 12. And among the Lamanites who were slain were almost all the seed of Amulon and his brethren who were the priests of Noah and they were slain by the hands of the Nephites. And the remainder having fled into the east wilderness and having usurped the power and authority over the Lamanites caused that many of the Lamanites should perish by fire because of their belief. Because they believed in God. And then verse 7 to 12 says... The terrible following. And it came to pass that those rulers who were the remnant of the children of Amulon caused that they should be put to death, yea, all those that believed in these things. So now not only are they turning away from the gospel, they're killing people who accept that people who heard before, they're killing these Lamanites. Now this martyrdom caused that many of their brethren should be stirred up to anger, and there began to be contention in the wilderness. And the Lamanites began to hunt the seed of Amulon and his brethren, and began to slay them, and they fled into the east wilderness. And behold, they are hunted at this day by the Lamanites. Thus the words of Abinadi were brought to pass, which he said concerning the seed of the priests, who caused that he should suffer death by fire. This is so true. The prophet has warned these people that they would suffer because they rejected the gospel, and here they are suffering. This is a, such a terrible, sad, sad story, but it's true today as well. We have many people who are members of the church who leave the church, and they do much more damage than people who are never members of the church. Can you please? For he said unto them, What shall ye do unto me shall be a type of things to come. That's the truth, and it's still true today. We're seeing many people suffering because of COVID-19 or other things across the world. But it's not people that don't have the gospel, it's people that had it and turned away from the Lord and have decided not to believe in him and decided to destroy those who do continue please and now Abinadi was the first that suffered death by fire because of his belief in God now this is what he meant that many should suffer death by fire according as he had suffered 
And he said unto the priests of Noah, that their seed should cause many to be put to death in the like manner as he was, and that they should be scattered abroad and slain, even as a sheep having no shepherd is driven, and slain by wild beasts. And now behold, these words were verified, for they were driven by the Lamanites, and they were hunted, and they were smitten. My friends, there's no need for any of us to suffer. We have the gospel, we've accepted it, we believe it. As the last days continue and people fall away from the church more and more, we need to be, we need to be the ones to stand up and bear testimony. This is true and we believe that it is true and we know that it's true. And that God will save us and we need to use these stories to tell people what happens to people in the end. Look at your church in verse 2. And it came to pass that the Amalekites, because of their loss, were exceedingly angry. And when they saw that they could not seek revenge from the Nephites, they began to stir up the people in anger against their brethren, the people of anti-Nephi-Lehi. Therefore they began again to destroy them. They're just, they're filled, their hearts are filled with anger. All they want to do is, is suffer, all they want to do is kill the people who believe. What a terrible, terrible fate. Now let's look at the converted Lamanites, how wonderful they were. Verse 19, verse 8 to 10. 19, verse 8 to 10 says, And he said unto the queen, He is not dead, but he sleepeth in God, and on the morrow he shall rise again. Therefore bury him not. And Ammon said unto her, Believest thou this? Now notice what she's saying. She's never even heard of the gospel before. And this is her reply. And she said unto him, I have had no witness save thy word, and the word of our servants. Nevertheless, I believe that it shall be according as thou hast said. Look how different her heart is than the heart of the people who had the gospel and rejected it and became Antony Valivites, or I'm sorry, became followers of Nehor, etc. Continue. And Ammon said unto her, Blessed art thou because of thy exceeding faith. I say unto thee, woman, there has not been such great faith among all the people of the Nephites. That's quite a statement, but it's true. She's just so faithful. Verse 36. And it came to pass that when Ammon arose, he also administered unto them, and also did all the servants of Lamoni, and they did all declare unto the people the selfsame thing. That, that their, their hearts had been changed, and that they had no more desire to do evil. These people receive a change of heart. They actually become converted to the Lord. And look what they do because of it. Verse 34. And behold, many did declare unto the people that they had seen angels, and had conversed with them. And thus they had told them things of God and of his righteousness. There's no, no desire with these people to draw attention to themselves. They bring testimony of angels and of God and of the truthfulness of the gospel. Verse 35. And it came to pass that there were many that did believe in their words. And as many as did believe were baptized. And they became a righteous people. And they did establish a church among them. And thus the work of the Lord did commence among the Lamanites. Thus the Lord did begin to pour out his spirit upon them. And we see that his arm is extended to all people who will repent and believe on his name. Boy, isn't that the truth. Look at how look at the great blessings these people receive. Genesis verse 20, verse 21, verse 23. And Ammon did preach unto the people of King Lamoni. And it came to pass that he did teach them all things concerning things pertaining to righteousness. And he did exhort them daily with all diligence. And they gave heed unto his word. And they were zealous for keeping the commandments of God. They were so zealous, in fact, that they never followed none of them, not one of them. They were such wonderful people. 
Nezek verses 22, chapter 22, verses 15 and 18. And it came to pass that after Aaron had expounded these things unto him, the king said, What shall I do that I may have this eternal life of which thou hast spoken? Yea, what shall I do that I may be born of God, having this wicked spirit rooted out of my breast, and receive his spirit? That I may be filled with joy, that I may not be cast off at the last day. Behold, said he, I will give up all that I possess. Yea, I will forsake my kingdom, that I may receive this great joy. Now this is a man of God. He wants to give his whole kingdom. He's willing to give his whole kingdom everything that he possesses, which is everything. He's the, he's the king over the whole land. If he can just feel the spirit, know that it's true. Verse 16. But Aaron said unto him, If thou desirest this thing, if thou wilt bow down before God, yea, if thou wilt repent of all thy sins, and will bow down before God, and call on his name, believing that ye shall receive, then shalt thou receive the hope which thou desirest. And it came to pass that when Aaron had said these words, the king did bow down before the Lord upon his knees. Yea, even he did prostrate himself upon the earth and cried mightily, saying, O God, Aaron hath told me that there is a God, and if there is a God, and if thou art God, wilt thou make thyself known unto me, and I will give away all my sins to know thee, and that I may be raised from the dead, and be saved at the last day. And now when the king had said these words, he was struck as if he were dead. How wonderful that the king would be willing to give up everything to know the Lord. And the Lord knows that he's telling the truth, and so the Lord says, hey, you. In the next chapter it says, And thousands were brought to the knowledge of the Lord. Yea, thousands were brought to believe in the tradition of the, Nephi, of the Nephites. And they were taught the records and prophecies which were handed down even to the present time. And as sure as the Lord liveth, so sure as many as believed, or as many as were brought to the knowledge of the truth, through the preaching of Ammon and his brethren, according to the spirit of revelation and of prophecy, and the power of God working miracles in them. Yea, I say unto you, as the Lord liveth, as many of the Lamanites as believed in their preaching, and were converted unto the Lord, never did fall away. They never fell away. They were stayed true their whole lives. This is such a wonderful story about opposites here. The Nephites are the bad guys in this story. The Lamanites are the good guys. Verse 7. For they became a righteous people. They did lay down the weapons of their rebellion, that they did not fight against God any more, either against any of their brethren. Wow, what a change. They've been Lamanites for hundreds of years, and now they're changing their whole way of living. Look at verse 16, 17, and 18. And now it came to pass that the king and those who were converted were desirous that they might have a name, that thereby they might be distinguished from their brethren. Therefore the king consulted with Aaron and many of their priests concerning the name that they should take upon them, that they might be distinguished. They want to be separate. They want to. Be, they don't want to be Lamanites anyway. They want to be something else. Look at the name they come with. Come on. Verse 17. And it came to pass that they called their names Anti-Nephi-Lehi's. And they were called by this name and were no more called Lamanites. So they said to be called not Nephites, but descendants of Lehi. Continue. And they began to be a very industrious people. Yea, and they were friendly with the Nephites. Therefore they did open a correspondence with them. And the curse of God did follow them no more. How beautiful. That is the real truth. 
Now look at verse 22 to 24, verses 8 to 26. This is long, but it's the best chapter, I think, in the Book of Mormon we've got to so far. This is the best chapter we've got to so far in the Book of Mormon, verse 8 to 26. And behold, I thank my great God that he has given us a portion of his spirit to soften our hearts, that we have opened a correspondence with these brethren, the Nephites. And behold, I also thank my God that by opening this correspondence, we have been convinced of our sins and many of the many murders which we have committed. And I also thank my God, yea, my great God, that he hath granted unto us that we might repent of these things, and also that he hath forgiven us of those our many sins and murders which we have committed, and taken away the guilt from our hearts. Through the merits of his Son. All three of these verses start with the words, Oh, I thank my God, I thank my God, I thank my God. All three verses, he's so thankful to Heavenly Father for changing his heart because of his belief in Jesus Christ. Because of his belief in Jesus Christ. Because of his belief in Jesus Christ. That's the key, my friends. He believes in the Savior now. Not the Nephites, he believes in the Savior. Continue. And now, behold, my brethren, since it has been all that we could do, as we were the most lost of all mankind, to repent of our sins, of all of our sins, and the many murders which we have committed, and to get God to take them away from our hearts. For it was all we could do to repent sufficiently before God that he would take away our stain. Now, my best beloved brethren, since God hath taken away our stains, and our swords have become bright, then let us stain our swords no more with the blood of our brethren. Behold, I say unto you, Nay, let us retain our swords that they be not stained, with the blood of our brethren. For perhaps if we should stain our swords again, they can no more be washed bright through the blood of the Son of our great God, which shall be shed for the atonement of our sins. Now we look at this and go, oh yeah, there's going to be their swords. No. My friends, this is a big deal. They're in constant war with the Nephites, but they're, they're, they're willing to lay down their own swords and be subject to the Nephites and possibly, possibly, be destroyed, and we're going to see here in a little while that many of them are, but they don't take out their swords again. This is this is a true sign of conversion. Willingness to bear your swords. Continue, please. And the great God has had mercy on us and made these things known unto us, that we might not perish. Yea, and He has made these things known unto us beforehand, because He loveth our souls as well as He loveth our children. Therefore, in His mercy, He doth visit us by His angels that the plan of salvation might be made known unto us, as well as unto future generations. Oh, how merciful is our God! And now behold, since it has been as much as we could do to get our stains taken away from us, and our swords are made bright, let us hide them away, that they may be kept bright, as a testimony to our God at the last day, or at the day that we shall be brought to stand before him to be judged, that we have not stained our swords in the blood of our brethren, since he imparted his word unto us, and has made us clean thereby. And now, my brethren, if our brethren seek to destroy us, behold, we will hide away our swords. Yea, even we will bury them deep in the earth, that they may be kept bright, as a testimony that we have never used them at the last day. And if our brethren destroy us, behold, we shall go to our God and shall be saved. Wow. This is faith. Now, I want you to think for a second, my friends. 
what might be comparable in your life to your to their swords? Their swords are what, what they used to keep them alive, and they used them to kill Nephites. They buried them so that they wouldn't do that anymore. Is there something in your life that you might need to bury? Is there some sin or some distraction that you need to take away? Maybe it's social media. Maybe it's electronic devices. Who knows what it is? I don't know what it is. But is there something that's keeping you from this gap between you and the Lord? If there is, it needs to be, it needs to be buried, taken away. Even if it means not being safe with your friends and your fellow men. Continue. And now it came to pass that when the king had made an end of these sayings, and all the people were assembled together, they took their swords and all the weapons which were used for the shedding of man's blood, and they did bury them, and they did bury them up deep in the earth. Think of how different this is from the rest of the stories in the Book of Mormon. Even the Nephites have swords. Even the Nephites have ways to defend themselves. These Lamanites are burying everything, all of them, Every single one of them are burying every single thing deep in the earth so they can't get it again. And look what happens to them in verse 18. And this they did, it being in their view a testimony to God and also to men, that they never would use weapons again for the shedding of man's blood. And this they did, vouching and covenanting with God, that rather than shed the blood of their brethren, they would give up their own lives. And rather than take away from a brother, they would give unto him. And rather than spend their days in idleness, they would labor abundantly with their hands. So it's not just uh, it's burning weapons of war. It's just a total change of life that they're proposing here. We're going to change our whole way of being. Continue, please. And thus we see that when these Lamanites were brought to believe and to know the truth, they were firm and would suffer even unto death rather than commit sin. And thus we see that they buried their weapons of peace, or they buried the weapons of war for peace. So we see these images. This is the most important verse. Once they are brought to believe and to know the truth, they were firm. They would suffer even unto death rather than commit sin. They would suffer even unto death rather than commit sin. That's amazing, my friends. That is amazing. Continue, please. And it came to pass that their brethren, the Lamanites, made preparations for war and came up to the land of Nephi for the purpose of destroying the king, and to place another in his stead, and also of destroying the people of anti-Nephi-Lehi out of the land. Skip to 22, please. And thus, without meeting any resistance, they did slay a thousand and five of them, and we know that they are blessed, for they have gone to dwell with their God. These Lamanites just go out and lay down and let the people kill them, because they refused to, to defend themselves with the sword. This is great faith, my friends, and thinking about this, there's going to be a thousand families now without a dad, without brothers, but they're going to, but they're going to do this in their witness, as a witness to God, they're willing to do this and to keep the commandments. Continue, please. Now, when the Lamanites saw that their brethren would not flee from the sword, neither would they turn aside to the right hand or to the left, but that they would be, that they would lie down and perish and praise God even in the very act of perishing under the sword. Skip to 25, please. And it came to pass that they threw down their weapons of war, and they would not take them again, for they were stung for the murders which they had committed. And they came down even as their brethren, relying upon the mercies of those whose arms were lifted to slay them. And then verse 26 is the most important verse. And it came to pass that the people of God were joined that day, by more than the number who had been slain. 
and those who had been slain were righteous people. Therefore we have no reason to doubt but what they were saved. Chapter 25 verse 6 says the following. That's, that's an amazing story. Chapter 25 verse 6 says, For many of them, after having suffered much loss and so many afflictions, began to be stirred up in the remembrance of the words which Aaron and his brethren had preached to them in their land. Therefore they began to disbelieve the traditions of their fathers, and to believe in the Lord, and that he, and that he gave great power unto the Nephites, and thus there were many of them converted. converted in the wilderness. So now you have this righteous group of people, their deaths and their sufferings is affecting the other Lamanites that hadn't been converted, and now they're converted to themselves. It says in verse 13 and 17, And it came to pass that the Lamanites saw that they could not overpower the Nephites. They returned again to their own land, and many of them came over to dwell in the land of Ishmael and the land of Nephi and did join themselves to the people of God, who were the people of Anti-Nephi-Lehi. And they did also bury their weapons of ah, war. Ah, they also buried their weapons of war. So you have this righteous, righteous, righteous influence carrying on to other people. This is amazing. Continue. And they began to be a righteous people, and they did walk in the ways of the Lord, and did observe to keep His commandments and His statutes. We'll stop there. And finally, in verse 27, verse 27 and 32, it says the following about these righteous, righteous people, these great converts of the Nephites, of the Lamanites, I mean. And they were among the people of Nephi, and also numbered among the people who were of the church of God. And they were also distinguished for their zeal towards God, and also towards men, for they were perfectly honest and upright in all things. And they were firm in the faith of Christ, even unto the end. Turn to verse 28 now. And they looked upon the saying of blood of their brethren with great abhorrence. They never could be prevalent to upon their arms against their brethren. That, that verse, see what I meant? Chapter 27, verse 28. Okay. 27, verse 28. And they did look upon shedding the blood of their brethren with the greatest abhorrence. And they never could be prevailed upon to take up arms against their brethren. And they never did look upon death with any degree of terror for their hope and views of Christ and the resurrection. Therefore, death was swallowed up to them by the victory of Christ. Wow, isn't that amazing? Their faith in Christ. Continue, please. Verse 29 and 30 of the same chapter. Therefore, they would suffer death in the most aggravating and distressing manner, which could be inflicted by their brethren before they would take the sword or scimitar to, sight, to smite them. And thus they were zealous and beloved people, a highly favored people of the Lord. Wow. So I think it boils down to the desires of our hearts. Look at chapter 29, verses 1 and 2. This is Alma talking. This is Alma talking about what he desires of the people. And he learns a great lesson here. Continue, please. Oh, that I were an angel and could have the wish of mine heart, that I might go forth and speak with the trump of God, with a voice, to shake the earth and cry repentance unto every people. Yea, I would declare unto every soul, as with the voice of thunder, repentance and the plan of redemption, that they should repent and come unto our God, that there might not be more sorrow upon all the face of the earth. So Alma, seeing the great success of the Nephites with the Lamanites, and seeing these great people of the desires to teach all the people, 
But he learns an important lesson here. In verse 3 to 4, the Lord says to him, But behold, I am a man, and do sin in my ways, for I ought to be content with the things which the Lord hath allotted unto me. The Lord allotted a different mission to him than he did to the sons of Mosiah, and he should be content with that. What's more, verse 4, I ought not to harrow up in my desires the firm decree of a just God, for I know that he granteth unto men according to their desire, whether it be unto death or unto life. Yea, I know that he allotteth unto men, yea, decreeth unto them decrees which are unalterable according to their wills, whether they be unto salvation or unto destruction. The great truth here is taught that the Lord gives us what we want, whether it's righteous or whether it's wicked. A righteous desire or wicked, he gives us whatever we want. That is called agency. In the next verse it says, verse 5, Yea, and I know that good and evil have come before all men. We all have had good and evil coming before us, and we're not going to be able to deny that when the day comes that we're judged. Continue, please. He that knoweth not good from evil is blameless, but he that knoweth good and evil to him it is given according to his desires, whether he desireth good or evil, life or death, joy or remorse of conscience. We're all going to be held accountable for our sins and for the righteous things we do as well. So we have to ask ourselves, what is the Lord's promise to us for our righteous desires? What's, the, what's our greatest desire, our greatest dream? What is the thing that we really want to do? Is it something for ourselves or is it for other people? The Lord says the following in verse 6, verse six and 9. Now, seeing that I know these things, why should I desire more than to perform the work to which I have been called? That's right. Verse 9. I know that which the Lord hath commanded me, and I glory in it. I do not glory of myself, but I glory in that which the Lord hath commanded me. Yea, and this is my glory, that perhaps I may be an instrument in the hands of God to bring some soul to repentance. And this is my joy. And that is what Alma desired. And if you read, if you the, the Alma part, we read the Sons of Messiah part today, but the Alma part earlier, he brings thousands to the truth because that's what he desired. So that's what we should desire as well. My friends, I want to bring my testimony to that I know this book is true. I'm so grateful the Lord preserved these chapters in the Book of Mormon for us. They teach us the right way to go. The right way is to is not to just believe in Christ, but it's to teach other people about Christ, which I bring them to the Savior. I say that in the name of Jesus Christ, Amen. Thank you for being with us today for another segment of Dr. Bartholomew's in-depth discussion of the Book of Mormon and its application to us in our lives. This podcast is presented through the facilities of Golden Gems Radio. We invite you to join us on the internet at www.goldengems.net where you will find presented each week a review of the music and career of one of the great musical artists from the 40s, 50s, and 60s, when music was music in the golden days of radio. We look forward to being with you next week for another discussion from the Book of Mormon with Dr. Bartholomew.